In this week's member episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about the sacrament of confession, which is what the episode was about yesterday. I'm going to clarify a few things, talk a little bit more about conscience and scrupulosity, which I touched on in that episode. Then we're going to hear some quotations from the saints about confession and its power and importance. And along with this episode, I'm going to post a traditional examination of conscience, which is modeled on the Ten Commandments, which is pretty typical. It's thorough, and it being more traditional, it might use some terms that we don't use as much anymore, but hopefully most of them are, are pretty clear what they're getting at. Now, with regard to conscience, there are a few things I'd like to explain. There's an episode I did on conscience, and if you haven't listened to that, go back and do so. But it's important to have a well-formed conscience. A conscience is a judgment of your reason, and it can be correct or it can be in error. It can be very accurate and precise, or it can be rather dull or lax. And it's important to make sure that our conscience is always well-formed and sharp so that we can uh, judge correctly even about the smallest things. This is done by, of course, studying the faith, especially on moral topics, to do the uh, daily examine, as I mentioned in yesterday's episode, to do spiritual reading and to hear what the saints have to say about sin and, and holiness and sanctity and avoiding occasions of sin, etc. So the, the sharper and better formed our conscience is, the more fruitful our confession will be because the more effectively will we be weeding out even the smallest sin or imperfection that keeps us from God, even the smallest thing that might damage the life of grace in our soul. And if we're always seeking to do that, then we can be very well assured that God will give us the grace necessary to persevere. On the other hand, the more we persist in sin, even a small sin, willingly and knowingly, uh, the more likely it is that we'll fall into serious sin and not persevere in grace to the end. If I know very well what is wrong and I persist in a sin, then my conscience actually becomes more dull I justify sins to myself, and so my conscience becomes unformed, if you will. And not only that, the, the greater danger is that I'm no longer aware of damage to the life of grace in my soul, and probably will, will not be aware when I fall into serious sin, which completely destroys the life of grace in my soul. So forming our conscience well is of immense importance, because we can unknowingly be on the path to damnation and not realize that we have certain things to confess and do penance for if our conscience becomes dull due to continued and habitual sin. So that means the more, the better we form our conscience, the more aware we are of even the smallest sins. And I mentioned this yesterday when talking about scrupulosity. Scrupulosity is not, is not being sorrowful for small sins. That's not what it means. It's good to be sorrowful for small sins. Scrupulosity is an error in judgment and it's very dangerous. St. Alphonsus Liguori talks about that a lot, that the priest needs to make sure that he corrects scrupulosity if he finds it. However, he does say it can be a fruitful inclination to have at the beginning of our conversion. When we first have this uh, compunction or sorrow realizing our sinfulness, it's kind of good to worry about all of our sins so that we get all of them out as best we can. However, once we pass that stage in our spiritual life, it's not good to be scrupulous because it actually impedes our spiritual progress rather than help it. So what does it mean to be scrupulous? To be scrupulous is to be so in error in our judgment of conscience that we judge things to be sins which aren't sins, or we judge things to be grave sins which aren't grave sins. So the, the classic example used in a lot of moral manuals is a scrupulous person thinks he has sinned if he happens to step on two twigs on the ground that are, happen to be in the shape of a cross and he thinks it's sacrilege. Now, 
to most people that's obviously ridiculous. But to a person who's scrupulous, it really does make sense. And um, it's unfortunate because they can be so concerned about this and worried about this that they confess it over and over, might think they're damned, and they actually are so stuck on something like that that they can't progress onwards in a life of holiness and virtue in a positive way. They're held back by these worries and anxieties that are unfounded. A scrupulous person also might be overly anxious about their penance. For example, a number of moral manuals tell the priest to tell the penitent to say three Hail Marys for their penance rather than pray three Hail Marys for their penance because a scrupulous person might say the three Hail Marys but then say, well, I haven't really prayed them. I was, I was kind of distracted. I haven't prayed them. So a priest has to correct those kinds of errors. But you don't find a lot of that nowadays. Mostly you find priests kind of scoffing or scolding people for being scrupulous when you just are dealing with a sensitive conscience. A sensitive conscience is good. A sensitive conscience is what the saints had. They're so sensitive that even the smallest sin they commit, whether it's in thought or word or deed, pained them greatly. And that's a correct judgment because God is the infinite good. He's infinitely lovable. So any, even the smallest sin against him should be a cause of sorrow for us. So that's just a short summary of the difference between scrupulosity and a sensitive or well-formed conscience. Let's get now to some of the words of the saints on the power of this sacrament. First to a well-known saint nowadays, Saint Faustina, who enjoyed apparitions and messages from Christ regarding his divine mercy. This is Christ speaking to her, quote, Tell souls where they are to look for solace, that is, in the tribunal of mercy. There the greatest miracles take place and are incessantly repeated. To avail oneself of this miracle, it is not necessary to go on a great pilgrimage or to carry out some external ceremony. It suffices to come with faith to the feet of my representative and to reveal to him one's misery, and the miracle of divine mercy will be fully demonstrated. Were a soul like a decaying corpse, so that from a human standpoint there would be no hope of restoration and everything would already be lost, it is not so with God. The miracle of divine mercy restores the soul in full. Oh, how miserable are those who do not take advantage of the miracle of God's mercy. You will call out in vain, but it will be too late. End quote. He says in another place to her, quote, Daughter, when you go to confession, to this fountain of my mercy, the blood and water which came forth from my heart always flows down upon your soul and ennobles it. Every time you go to confession, immerse yourself in my mercy with great trust, so that I may pour the bounty of my grace upon your soul. When you approach the confessional, know this, that I myself am waiting there for you. I am only hidden by the priest, but I myself act in your soul. Here the misery of the soul meets the God of mercy. Tell souls that from this fount of mercy, souls draw graces solely with the vessel of trust. If their trust is great, there is no limit to my generosity. The torrents of grace inundate humble souls. The proud remain always in poverty and misery, because my grace turns away from them to humble souls." End quote. So Christ assuring that he is the one there waiting for us in confession and that there is nothing we can do, there's no sin so great, he says, even if our soul is like a decayed corpse, confession is, so to speak, a, a sacrament of the dead, that is, it brings dead souls to life. Let's hear from St. Thomas Aquinas, quote, In the life of the body a man is sometimes sick, and unless he takes medicine he will die. Even so, in the spiritual life a man is sick on account of sin. For that reason he needs medicine, so that he may be restored to health and this grace is bestowed in the sacrament of penance." End quote. So following on what I talked about yesterday, the sacrament of penance and the, the priest being like a doctor administering medicine, of course it's really Christ doing so. That analogy between the sickness of the body and the sickness of the soul is helpful, especially in as a way to direct us in confessing our sins, just like we go to the doctor and we say how long something's been a problem and what particularly the problem is, so too when we confess our sins we need, we need to do the same thing. 
Saint Isidore of Sevilla says, quote, Confession heals, confession justifies, confession grants pardon of sin. All hope consists in confession. In confession, there is a chance for mercy, end quote. I like that line, all hope consists in confession, because as long as we have breath in our body, we can always begin again in confession, no matter how horribly we have sinned. In The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, we hear, quote, A humble confession displeases Satan, and if he could, he would make you omit holy communion, end quote. And this is an important point, too. Another problem I forgot to mention with a scrupulous soul. A scrupulous soul is dangerous because it prevents the person from going to confession often because they always think they're uh, not in the state of grace. They always think that they have something on their soul that would prevent them from receiving communion worthily. Uh, so confession is the way that we can be assured that we receive the Holy Eucharist fruitfully and worthily. St. Alphonsus, who is the patron saint of priest confessors, says, quote, The devil does not bring sinners to hell with their eyes open. He first blinds them with the malice of their own sins. Before we fall into sin, the enemy labors to blind us, that we may not see the evil we do and the ruin we bring upon ourselves by offending God. After we commit sin, he seeks to make us dumb, that through shame we may conceal our guilt in confession, end quote. So again, emphasizing how much the devil hates this uh, sacrament because it's the one thing that brings us back to God and takes us from the clutches of Satan. And St. Alphonsus mentions what I was talking about too with regard to our conscience being dulled and, blind, and, and we're being blinded to sin through continued persistence in that sin. This, the devil loves that be, precisely because it prevents us from coming to confession or even uh, making us proud so that we don't actually confess the sin properly. Along the same line, St. Benedict Joseph Labra says, quote, The want of proper examination, true contrition, and a firm purpose of amendment is the cause of bad confessions and of the ruin of souls, end quote. So it's not, as I said, it's not enough to just go to confession and say things. We have to be truly contrite and to be honest. Otherwise, confession is not fruitful for us. So it's important that we not delude ourselves that as long as I go in and say stuff, I'm all set. That's not the case. It's got to be contrition, real contrition, and an honest confession as best we can. So of course there's plenty more things that the saints have said about confession, but I find these to be a helpful few to reflect on and to help form our minds about the importance of confession. Like I said, here on Patreon I'm going to post the text of a traditional and relatively thorough examination of conscience. If you haven't seen one or haven't used one, give it a look through in your preparation for confession. And always remember to do the things necessary to form your conscience. In addition to examining your conscience daily, do spiritual reading, read the Gospels, study the moral teachings of the Church, and pray that the Lord enlighten your conscience and that you see yourself in truth as He sees you.